interrupt Stavros's <laughs> last echoing voice. Welcome to Voyage of the Geek for another week on this Thursday, the 2nd of March, 2017. Mm-hmm. Joining uh, joining us as our, uh, it's hard to call him a special guest now, he's one of the family, part of the furniture, <laughs> Tom McGill. I can act more special if you want me to. <laughs> Welcome on board, sir. Good evening. And as always, Dan Miller, hello, hello. myself, Dave Scotland, uh, exploring all things geek that come past our unique perspective in this geeky world that we live in mm-hmm. and that we enjoy. <clears throat> and tonight, we are pretending that we did not do this show ever before, and I we didn't. will ignore all deja vu, <laughs> uh, because tonight we are having a look at Logan's Run, a classic sci-fi but before we get on to that, uh, gentlemen, uh, what have we been doing through the week? Tom, have you been uh, uh, behaving yourself? Uh, I would like to hope so, yes. No, I was, I mean, uh, you haven't been caught doing anything? <laughs> Probably asked the wrong question. No, the good thing is that as long as I'm not caught, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> you it. read everything in the news. And Dan? Uh, same old, same old, I'm afraid. Nothing super interesting to report. Kicking yourself, you've, uh, you've bought the industrial uh, strength air conditioner about a day before we went back to low 20s. Until the heat went, yeah, the, <laughs> heat the heat went away. Stuff. But it doesn't stop you, I guess. No, You've no, still no, got no. it cranked with all the windows open. No regrets, no regrets. <laughs> Night or day, cold or hot, I have that air conditioner blasting at full tilt. Now, let's talk about the really, really <laughs> important stuff. Who won the Academy Award? Ah, and visual effects. And even more important than that. Our listeners should know already. Who, who guessed... Who who predicted? A guest doesn't even give it credit. Really, <laughs> who knew? Yeah, who knew well before the event? Um, so let's bring it up. Let's let's go ahead. Uh, we're going to bring up our cheat sheet, uh, our uh, little spreadsheet that we were using uh, to put together our predictions. First, we had our ten, our top ten films. Mm-hmm. We shortlisted those top ten films. Uh, they were the Arrival, uh, the BFG. Captain America Civil War, Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, Jungle Book, Kubo, Passengers, Rogue One. That was the top ten. That Mm -hmm. got baked off down to Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, Jungle Book, Kubo, and Rogue One. And as you can clearly see here, our prediction was the Jungle Book. So did you? And how much did you win on it? Could you obviously put money on it and? And then I'll ask you how much you won. Well, let's just say I've got another air conditioner coming next <laughs> week. <laughs> Which is fitted in the Merc. I, I like to imagine that we influenced the Academy Awards. <laughs> maybe, a bit. maybe we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we certainly They were watching the show and culture. they said, well, and geez, we better, we, better, we better step in line here. All the experts are saying Jungle Book. 
So what did you think? You, you, rightly, rightly so. Uh, rightly so. I think we might um, review why we said it, that it would win because it's not a just a, a guess. Yeah. Because it's chock full of CG stuff. As are many films, but the main thing is this interaction, the, the, the level, yeah. the level of CG. A lot of, you know, uh, what was the, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is every shot probably has, has CG in them. Mm. But it's not, didn't even make it to the final five. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jungle Book is like Avatar before, mm. full of, almost entirely done in the computer. Very similar to The Life of Pi. But um, in the the close-up interaction that Mowgli has riding a bear, uh, talking to them, and actually pulling off speaking animals mm. in a way that doesn't look too silly. I think last time when we spoke about it, I thought the film went down a little bit when King Louis started to sing because the film had not you know, spent the first one and a half hours <clears throat> not preparing you for a musical yeah. number. But otherwise, other than that, the uh, it was so believable and well mm. done. Mm. Um, I saw a bit of trivia yesterday. I was talking to Jake. Uh, I think it was Jake, and he mentioned that all the previs was done in Unity, uh, Unity or Unreal, a game engine, mm. one, yeah, of, one, right. of the, one of the game engines. Yeah. So they did all the previs. So obviously, going out onto the set with cameras, mm-hmm. uh, virtual cameras in a virtual void, mm-hmm. um, and setting up camera angles and um, really taking. It's really funny if you. If you follow the behind-the-scenes um, culture that goes with the big tentpole films, like I've, I've, I, I would go and buy. I don't do it much as as much anymore, but I used to go and buy a DVD, even though I wasn't real keen to watch the film. I just knew it was chocker full of behind-the-scenes stuff, mm-hmm. um, and we can learn a lot from watching that sort of stuff. This is something you don't get anymore with Netflix these days. It's a big, big shame because I yeah. sometimes don't buy a DVD I would have otherwise bought yeah. because I can see the film on Netflix. Yeah, and, and you miss out. And it's funny if you go back through a lot of those behind-the-scenes. Certain directors like to claim um, bragging rights over who was the first person to do this virtual filmmaking, where they they look through a virtual camera, but that's all tied into a real time computer render. Mm. Um, and I can hold two videos up, and I can show you that there's a very big gap in between the two, where Peter Jackson's doing it um, in the troll, the cave troll scene from the first um, the Fellowship of the Ring, fel- uh, the Fellowship, and then. What is it? Nearly eight years later, or something like that. Maybe. Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Nine, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. What did Avatar claim to be the first? James Cameron, in behind the scenes, claims that he's the first guy that because he probably had some little uh, adjustment in there. He's the first one who did it in color. Yeah. Peter Jackson's monitor was still black and white, or something. Sounds like he needs to buy but a there DVD. There was a commonality yeah. there, and it, what's weird <laughs> is that it was both would have happened in the wettest in wettest in wettest space. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, so there would have been some little novelty that Jim Cameron had <laughs> that wasn't around at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays you can claim, now, now Rogue One is the film that claims it's the first movie that actually has finished rendered, real-time rendered robots rendered out of uh, Unreal Engine in the finished film. Yeah, so, right. so, so not only is it post-vis, mm. so they're using it on set at the time. Yeah. So when they're looking through their monitors while they're filming the actors in the in the lift and the robot is, uh, what is it, K2? K2SO K2SO. K2SO. Yeah. Um, he's in the lift. Well, the monitors they're looking at, he's rendered real in um, real With time. reflections and everything. Yeah, with cam- yeah, right. camera data coming through. That capture actually becomes the actual final render later on. Yeah, yeah. And did you, Dan, did you see what the Miller's been doing with, with their with their virtual, with their car? Yeah, this, no. The, 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 they have this, they built this car which has lots of tracking markers. Oh, yes, yes. And it's a... It's just essentially a set of four wheels yeah. on a frame. Okay, yeah, I think I'm aware. And they uh, superimpose a chassis over it. Isn't it 
Go ahead. Because the camera has uh, does does has cameras pointing in all directions and films its environment. Mm-hmm. That film gets fed into the 3D chassis as a reflection map, and so you get the the 3D car with real reflections mm-hmm. directly you, live in the shot. And it's interactive. <clears throat> like the viewer yeah. has the ability to change what type of car it is. Yeah, that's what I thought. That it could become kind of the size and well the size and chassis of yeah. lots of different cars. Yes, so. they can extend it or yeah, they can yeah, make it yeah. a bit higher. Yeah. Yeah, it was only about two or three days ago I saw that same rig. So they've got the um what's the name of the big boom arm rig that they put on the back of four wheel drives. They used them in Mad Max. There's a name for them. I can't remember. They're fairly state of the art. The beauty of them is is they're all of the movement data, all of the um, data coming from the gyros and everything in the in the rig mm. gets saved as part of the capture. And so later on, they can oh, just okay. extract that out and use it for tracking and all this other stuff. Well, that's what they're using in this. So they've got that filming it, and so it's swinging across, swinging across the road and doing all this dynamic camera work, while this chassis only, it has no body at all, is is driving. So the final product is you get a little menu, and you can say you can pick the color of the car, you can pick the type of a car. It can be old Chevy, or it can be a brand new car, mm. or whatever. And then lo and behold, bang! That that stunt, that whole thing, is repeated. With your choice of car and everything, I mean mm. that's pretty, that's pretty astounding stuff. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll crazy. do it on it. We'll do a show about it because the way game tech is being now is now being used in film, it's been a bit of a novelty over the last few years. With ILM really leading the way with their digital extras and their stormtrooper renders and things like that, um, but we never really paid it much mind. We just knew that they were doing something over here. The ILM was it X Labs ILM. Is that the is that what it's called? ILM X, familiar. I think ILM X Labs. They've been doing some virtual 360 stuff, um, and Disney's been doing some pretty cool stuff in that space as well. But it's just always it's been happening over there, and now all of a sudden we're starting to see this stuff, like K2 and things like that. So we'll do a show about it because I think it's it's really it's moving fast, mm. and I want us mm. to sort of stay on that wave. All right, gentlemen, the uh, the time has come to talk about. The classic 1960. Seven, 76. 76. <laughs> uh, sorry, 76. 1976. Six. One year prior yeah. to <laughs> Star Wars. It's zero minus one. That's right. Is how you remember it. <laughs> yeah. It's BS. And so <laughs> Star Wars was BS. made in 77. That means Star Wars won the Academy Awards in 78. In 78, right? yeah. Absolutely. So it was two years before Star Wars. So this one won. The Academy Awards for, Best, for special um, effects, yeah, or, yes, or effects. special, yeah, special effects, for special effects yes. for the city, yes, for for the the whole the concept of well, the miniature, yeah, creating creating a, a city and making it look like there's this big city that people live in, not the presumably not the outside city, which is just a little a bunch of you know upside down salad bowl. What I wouldn't think the inside city was particularly special. No, it was a shopping it was a mall shopping mall. Yeah. It, looked, it definitely looked like a shopping mall. <laughs> well, they have these faraway shots where you have you know miles of city with skyscrapers and uh, well, these, the, the, these, map the map painting stuff. Yeah, that's pretty good. Was outstanding. I, you know, for the time, it was super impressive. There was no jitter. Everything was rock solid. I don't know. I would. I okay, would fix before those we black just levels. like before we just yeah. like rocket <laughs> before we just like rocket into this. Yes, yes, yes. We should. I don't know. My OCD requires us to have some method to our madness here. Well, well, I wanted to propose uh, either Tom or yourself. I would like to have a s- single paragraph synopsis of what this film is. What? What is it? Like what? What is the plot line? Right. Okay. So d- describe this film to me 
because I'm sitting uh, with my keyboard poised to go and download a new film because I've got a couple of hours to spend, and you're trying to convince me. So, <laughs> okay, tell me about Logan's Run. Um, okay, so it's a science fiction, mm-hmm. um, a science fiction set in the future, in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world where a society, society. <laughs> Well, I was going to say a, a hero gets has to go on a journey. I talk about journey of the hero, um, and he has to go. I don't know. He has to um, escape and get rejected at the same time, and then come back and save everybody who rejected him. How about that for an effort, Tom? It's a utopia. Well, it's a dystopia painted as a utopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in a it, 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 utopian city, the uh, the underlying danger that they are all being fooled um, is hidden. Yes. And uh, one of the uh, not policemen, one of the enforcers, one of the only, one of the regime's enforcers is the one who actually has to turn against the regime and discover against all his training. And the regime is. Oh, computers? Yeah, really. They're, they're I believe computer. it's a computer-run yeah, society. Yeah. Oh, it's not really explained really well. To be well, there was a war. And There's a the computer people, in it. They, Definitely they, a war. They they, they they put their hands <laughs> in the their faith in the hands of AI. Yep. Computers um, run everything. I, I suppose computers run everything, but yeah. it's not super clear. There's like a computer, but it could be just like a a big Google thing that that helps them do their stuff and. Mm. These the Sandman just yep. run around, and maybe there's another bunch of politicians somewhere. Or other. I don't know. I'm just making it up. But. In the in the book, the computer is so. In the book, it's not a city. It's that's how the humans live, and Sanctuary is in orbit around Mars. Oh right. And they, at the end, they have to get, board a rocket and 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 fly to Sanctuary. Oh wow. Okay. And the computer different. is under. Uh, oh, what's the mountain called? It's. Oh, Cheyenne. Yeah, it's the mountain. The, the Indian. The base. The Indian that points, but the oh. mountain's never. The sculpture's never finished. Horse, horse. Yeah, um, not running horse. Yeah, I know the. Anyway, I know the for, the the, the, Wild the sitting. formation. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I Google horse mountain, it'll probably come up. So this is, and and I must. I, I never read the book, but I read like a synopsis of the book. But if you watch the film, and, uh, it's they, not evident, is it, that, that that who's running the show? I thought so because the police always have to, um, they have to report to this computer voice, mm. and it's you know it says you know calculating, and yep. so it's a computer. It's not a not a man that's speaking to them, and and the computer assigns that mission. So I, you what? know, for as long as I have known this film, which is for many for lots lots of years. I've always thought that it was the computers running. I think the, it's fairly show. That's a fairly reasonable um, way to describe it because if you think about it, at the end, as soon as the computer dies, everything falls apart. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fair call. Um, so you you that. both missed <laughs> something pretty important. Wild horse. Um, why do people run? Um, because there is a you know There's there is a, a planned obsolescence a ticking clock. Yes, yeah, so everybody's going to die. Limited so, resources. There's a good reason. And and if we look at a um, a tagline from the original film, that it's a it's a utopia, um, it's paradise. The only problem is it comes with a 
uh, it comes with a nasty sting in it or something <laughs> like that. It's it comes at a price. The price to pay. It's actually um, a good philosophical question. I mean, would you go through life's perils and tribulations and then you don't know? What, you know, we might live to eighty, but you've had a had a hard time chugging it is, through. It or is would you accept? That's I'm going to live for 30 years, but I'm having yeah. 30 shit, oh, great years of just party every day. And <laughs> That's that quantity over substance thing, isn't it? What do you go <laughs> for? Uh, quality. quality over over. I'm sure a lot of people would go quality. for the 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Where, well, in reflection, you, you might, um, but yeah. when you know nothing, maybe which way do you go? Do you, well, look, this is my sort of um, thoughts about the ending of the film, if we can just, because there's going to be rampant spoilers going oh, absolutely. through here. Yeah. Um, when he comes back into the to the thing, he says, you don't have to die. You don't have to do this. You can go outside. And then the world all blows up and they all yeah. go outside. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now yeah. what are you going to be doing? Yeah, yeah, now you're scratching in the dirt. They don't know how to eat. Eating like, like cats. They, they only know how to eat what they've been given. They yeah. don't know how to work. <laughs> they don't know how to build anything. Yeah. They're screwed. Yeah. yeah, it's not a so happy he, ending. he destroyed their society. <laughs> and if we flash forward 20 years, there's only three people alive. One of them's the old <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, still he's alive. The, he's down to his last cat. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> everyone else ate the rest. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the, uh, the society that lives inside this domed city... Um, you have a ticking clock uh, on your crystal hand mm-hmm. display that changes colour over time. Mm. And when you get to 30 years old, it's bright red and it starts flashing. And that means you must submit yourself to the, the carousel. carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Which in most cultures is uh, a charming little roundabout yeah. thing with some horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kids have fun on. That's not what they were going for in this film. It's no. a euphemism. Yeah. Basically, the carousel, you, people submit themselves to the carousel. These and are the carousel uh, contestants here. Yeah, they look smiling like, skulls. Yeah, you know? so they look like horror. And ultimately, they float up in the air. And we'll yeah. talk about the rig maybe later on that they used in production. They float up in the air and then they get zapped and, ex- and they explode. Um, but the viewers think they're being reborn. They're uh, the, the whole idea being: you get to thirty, you submit yourself to um, uh, to the carousel, and if you're lucky, you get reborn yep. out of that process. When watching the the making of trailers, listening to the guy who made the big rig, um, and and he was the only one who explained. Or at least he explained his opinion of what what the hell was going on, because you know in the movie people were like um, talking about um, you know who will get reborn, will you get reborn, you know, and it seemed like there was a bit of a competition on, but it isn't really explained in the movie because people just float up in the air and then they just like get laser beamed to death. Right? Yeah, yeah, they just get zapped and. But you know that star thing that you see at the top. Yeah, that's the goal. Oh, and they're according, supposed to reach it. To according be, to the guy who made it. To be re- and that's why there's cheering going on. In yeah, the, because in if the you can somehow harness the floaty yeah. powers, you can do, it. You you can can do, do it. it. And reach up and touch it, you win something. You win yeah. a rebirth or something or other. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then everybody else gets that. So, and our main character is is uh, asked the question to his mate in that moment, have you ever seen anyone get... Which we're meant to Renewed. believe that no one yeah. ever, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one ever uh, asked that question. They were a bit light on those type of details. I mm. thought in the story they could have fleshed that out a little bit more. And I don't know. I felt explained it and gave you a bit more, mm. yeah, a bit of an understanding of what was going on and well, people's that- opinions out of it because it's a bit quick when they move into the runner. Mm. 
Yes, deal. And it, and it did confuse me as a as a teenager when I saw the film first. As one of the things that I didn't quite understand in the film is why are they all cheering when people fly up there and get zapped? Yeah. Obviously, that's not the best ending, <laughs> and it happens to every single one. And then the next day, it's you know the next it's Capricorn whatever's birthday. Mm. It's yeah, every, yeah. every day it's somebody's birthday, that's and on right. their thirtieth birthday they die. Yeah. So they've watched that every single day, three hundred sixty-five days a year, and. Uh, they all die. So how can how does that even continue? Why is not everybody running? That's that's what I'm not. How can they all be so gullible? Well, I, sp- I, I suppose the other thing is sense. they're all brainwashed, you know, morons. So they're all like, you know, they've just been fed yep. propaganda all their lives, and so they think it's all all good and ever mm. and and all of that. But there are a few rebels Indeed. who have a different opinion. Indeed. So they don't they they don't believe. Well, it's not really. Uh, a question of whether the they believe or not, but they would prefer to uh, not be part of it. So, so they're out of here. Yes, yes. So when it's their turn to go and potentially get zapped or get renewed, they decide to do the shock, horror, horrible thing of running. That's right. And that's where our hero comes in, um, him and his mate, who are, uh, I guess, the enforcers, the police of the society, um, that most of their role is to stop the runners. Um, and they have the ability or they have the um, the mandate to kill them. That's right. Not, not to arrest them or anything. I think uh, they have a little bit more than the mandate to kill them. They have the, the, the mandate to uh, play with them, with them and <laughs> toy with them and have a you know, enjoy your work. Yeah. Have a little bit of fun with them. Scare the shit out of them first, then yeah. kill them. Absolutely. So there's a whole bunch of things we can talk the, about. These these guns um, are designed to pain put pain into every single nerve ending in your body. Oh, okay. They're designed to give you a really painful death, oh, really? and so that's that's the that's the punishment. You know, that's why you don't run. You can. In well, the, they never so mentioned again, this have, in no, the movie. Beca- no, because they changed the whole thing. In the books, people don't have carousel. Okay. They have carousel in the movie because we need special effects. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. uh, you, you get an injection. You get a, you get injected that's by a right. drug, yeah. a drug that makes you exquisitely happy. And you go die. to you go to a shop. Uh, there's just like a love store or something. You go, you submit to, you go and get this. That's what I read in the trivia. That the difference yeah. between the film, one of the differences between the film and the and the book, is that that there's no central celebrated carousel thing. It's quite literally just some sort of shop that you go. But to. you die blissfully and happy mm. and content. Okay. Or if you run, you die the most, you know, painful. <laughs> All right. Way. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so in the movie, they probably didn't need to tell that because mm. they didn't have a blissful death. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That would have been. Useful because they did seem to toy with their, with they tend to play with their food a little bit. Mm. I have okay question for you, Tom, being a, an aficionado of this, um, and a excellent observant person. <laughs> now I put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when they kill the the, the runner, the first yeah. runner, the off. only time they do the example of we're going to kill off him. the balcony. Yeah. Off he comes off the balcony. He ends up off the balcony on the ground. So did they kill him or did he jump off the balcony himself? That's what I want to know. Because I watched it again because we had a similar discussion about it Mm. and I thought he'd had shot him off the balcony. Because he complains to to his friend. He complains to um, Richard Jordan, whatever that is. Uh, His partner. Francis. Yeah, 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 Francis. Francis, because there was something, and I must have dozed off at that point a little bit, but I thought... Because I don't remember who, how they killed him. I know that he, he fell down. Yeah. But he was afterwards... Uh, Francis was apologising for taking the kill. He was complaining to Francis, uh, saying... Uh, okay. This is kind of where I'm getting at. Because there is a blast. There is a sound effect zap. And then you hear... Oh! 
<laughs> off the balcony. He's up against the wall and he's scared. And, and Michael York's got his maniac grin yeah. on. He's like, dance, they're doing, they're doing dance, that right? Wiley Coyote yeah, right, bullshit, right? Yeah. So he's dudging and weaving in, the, in that. <laughs> and then you kind of cut to him, ah, falling off the thing. So yeah. you don't know. Okay, so where I'm coming from is I think they might have lessened the. Um, the murderous oh, potential of yeah. our hero yeah. off the movie. to try and make him. And so maybe that's why Francis comes down later and says, yes, I was the one who actually did the killing there. No, Michael York is laughing while he's shooting <laughs> I know, yeah, he's guy. a maniac. You know, right? he's, yeah. he's an anti-hero. Run, run out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's have a look at the narrative first. Um, and, Dan, we've got um, our our monomyth wheel of fortune that we've had a look of look at in the past. Mm. Do you have that handy? Do you want to bring that up and have a look at it? Uh, yeah, we could um, have a look at it. And maybe um, not, you know, maybe do a do a mad dash around it just mm. to see whether this particular storyline um, fits some of those archetype. Um, well, look, I, I think maybe just let's just, just do it lightly from yeah, yeah. memory. Yeah. So in the monomyth, there's the um, the underworld. Mm-hmm. And there's the overworld. And the overworld is the normal world. And then there's the underworld. So the, the hero has to journey through the underworld and come out the other side. So is that in the movie? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I think there's a transition. Yeah. There's clearly two worlds. There's inside the special, inside the shopping mall mm-hmm. and outside the shopping mall. But is that, because when he goes outside, it's actually... Well, it's kind of the good place mm. is when he there's goes a, outside. But there's a perilous journey to get from one to the other. True, but it's not really... Mm. It, it, definitely inside the city is his normal world, mm. but it's also the dark world. Yeah. So it's actually, it's a flipped on its head a little bit. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, that one's a little bit interesting. You know, does the hero get um, magical items? Uh, unless we count the... Ankh. The Ankh. The Ankh, yeah. Yeah, it probably does get magical yeah, It certainly opened a magical door. It does open a magical door. <laughs> Portal. <laughs> it was a magical movie moment where they dropped the fucking thing, you know, and just just so happens that the guy needed a, a key that was chasing them and there was one right there. It's like, I yes. remember watching it thinking, come on. Come on. They had to do it that way. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. I was watching they that one. They could have just left the door open. Okay, okay, okay. No, 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 no. That, that was a good bit. That was a good bit, right? Okay. Because when I was watching it, mm. I was watching it with some mates and, and stuff, and, and one of um, my uh, good friend's uh, son was there. And so we were all kind of laughing and we were having a bit of, bit of a go at the movie. And then so what happens is they come up to the secret door and they have two keys, mm. right? And... For no reason at all, I think Michael York accidentally drops his in a puddle <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then they said, don't worry, I've got one. Yeah. I've got a spare one. And then I'm like, what? Why did you just drop it in a puddle for you, yeah. idiot? And then his, uh, you know, my mate's son says, because his friend's going to need to get use the key yeah. to get through, <laughs> right? And I'm like, brilliant. Yeah. Yes. You know. nice. um, a bit like Red Litter Media, you know, it's like, Michael York, what's what's that in the corner, Michael York? Is that the script? Is that the script? That, have, have you did you just read the script? <laughs> you know, he he knows that Francis is coming behind him, so he's going to have to drop it. Yeah, but I thought it was a cool a cool little thing. Anyway, um, um, okay. So, does the hero refuse the call to adventure? He doesn't want it because he gets uh, he gets put on last day. Doesn't he? I think that's pretty. His palm hand starts mm. blinking. That's right. Yep. And it's actually a little bit confused in the story, I thought. Okay, here's another one we might need your mm. opinion on. 
Okay, so they go through some trials and tribulations, which is in the movie, and then sort of halfway through, about where where he is in this, when they meet all of these people with the light poles, and in fact it's right here in the movie, mm. for some reason Logan calls up all of the Sandmen. Because he thinks that's Sanctuary. He was meant to lead them to Sanctuary. Okay. He thinks that is Sanctuary. He's thought, he thought he reached it. But th- my question is, is he running or isn't he running? Mm. No, he's still, at this point, he's still hoping to get his, his, life, four, years his, back. his four, li- four years back from the computer. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes him a bit of a mercenary prick, doesn't yes, it? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and the fact Absolutely. that it doesn't get questioned. The fact that, that he got, they, they run away and then Jessica never brings it up. The yeah. fact that they just... He just uh, he led everyone to all their friends. They yeah. were all slaughtered. <laughs> yes. And, and she just goes swimming naked with him in the pool. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Michael Laugh York or... proceeds to slaughter his own friends, yes. the cops that turn up. That's right. And it's it's like there was a turning point for him where he kept compounding the things that he'd done wrong um, in the hope that if he, if he achieves his mission, he'll reverse all those things. So yeah. when he let the runner go and um, I think he even shot, fired a few shots at his mate. And mm. At that point, he had already realised that this was not sanctuary and that he still has to find it or he's not going to live. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a good point. That's yeah, a good yeah. point. So, But that still means he's disingenuous because he's all the while saying to uh, what's-her-face, you know, Jessica Six, I don't know. Yep. Yes, let's go to Sanctuary. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on your team. Choo, choo, choo. Shoot on my friends. And <coughs> the reality is he did achieve his mission. He destroyed Sanctuary because Sanctuary turned out to be box. I think he destroyed all the bloody sanctuaries that there were. And including I didn't, the, It took me... Yeah, well, he well, blew, yeah, including well, Utopia. He's, he, he's the direct... Uh, he's the direct... Um, instigator of the destruction of the inside world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he also let everyone out, so they're, they t- they're now going to destroy the outside world, and he destroyed <laughs> Box. So he single-handedly destroyed civilization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until I watched it much, much later that I realised what Box was all about, and I didn't understand that Box was sanctuary. But it, I didn't, I didn't understand. I just yeah, still don't understand yeah, that he's sanctuary. Well, the way it works, I don't is understand that why one character's name is Box. That's what I don't food, understand. <laughs> looks like one. Food was getting sent through some system, and his job was to process the food and freeze it. Yes. After a while, the food stopped coming. Yes. But the people started coming. So well, the down. people are the runners. Yes. Yes. So sanctuary is as that's boxes as far as they ever got. But that's not what they were looking for. Sanctuary. No, they was, were looking for something else. But yeah. they were calling, as far as a physical existence, sanctuary stopped at box, mm. and and Logan destroyed mm. sanctuary. Mm. He destroyed box mm-hmm. and found that sanctuary. There was another sanctuary which was beyond all of that, mm-hmm. and, and it was the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, because I got a feeling these guys didn't even know about the outside world. I don't think they did. They just thought that there was another place. <clears throat> I thought there was nothing there. could live out there. He, he was no, the, no, the, the, right. the computer tells him yeah. you have to go outside, and he says, "Oh, what? No, the yeah. outside is bad." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it, they weren't trying to reach outside. They were trying to reach where everyone else ran to. Because they had this be idea of a place, you know, of heaven. Mm. We have to all go to heaven. Nobody reached there has ever returned, but we all believe that it exists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the sanctuary, this this heaven, mm. doesn't exist mm. there's the outside world yes but they don't know about it. that's not what they're seeking yeah. they're seeking a blissful place where they can live out their lives mm. and uh, which is the outside world but again that's not what they're seeking we had a brief conversation about the narrative and the monomyth and we found that um, 
it, it, there are some elements that are very strong um, in in the monomyth in this story, but there are also some that just does, do not fit. No matter how you no, try, they, no. they don't. Can fit. I ask a question about the monomyth then? Yes. Sure. Who is the mentor? If there is a mentor, if there is, is a the mentor, mentor? <coughs> and is I think the mentor is her. It could be her, or it could be actually inadvertently the computer that yeah. sends him off. The it computer that tells him, "Ah, oh, there's a world outside. Yeah, go you got to go and find this stuff." Mm. Maybe knowing that he couldn't destroy it anyway, mm. just send him on it. Like take, give him a, a reasons by taking these. The four mentor, years the computer him. sends him off his way, telling him that there's other things to be. Mm. I think yeah, found. he could, but I think that's like that. It's probably one of those ones where it's like a bit of a stretch. Mm. Mm. Now, um, now, now t- I want to ask Tom the question that I asked you. Okay. Did you feel like the movie was two films? There, there was like there was a midpoint, and then all of a sudden it was a different film. It was the reason I loved this film as a teenager is because of the computer game nature that it has going through levels. Mm-hmm. You have that way. you have the shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Then you go into the underworld where everything is dark and gritty and nobody from the above world, they'll just have to go down the flight of stairs, but they never do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's the stuff I love. You know, there's this whole, this whole city is based on this underworld complex. Yeah. And then there is this area with the algae and the, and the fish tanks. And then they go up this elevator and then they're in this, this ice world. And every, everywhere they go through is a totally different world. So are these, these stages, these levels that they have to go through before they reach the outside. And that reminded me, yeah, like of computer games. There's a safe point and you go into a different thing and you get to go through there and you go to a different world. I love, I totally love that. I, I agree. It's, um, and this place as well, where the kids live, this, this sort of cit- uh, it's the dark citadel it's or whatever the bad it's called. utopia or whatever, yeah. you know, it's the, yeah. Chapel, citadel. It, it, it also had a flavor of, uh, the, before I leave it, the, what I was talking about is that the the pace of it, the style of it. They once they reached the outside world, the pace came off it, hmm. and it just died down, and it just travelled at a pace. And and not until explosions started ringing out, and and people hmm. started um, you know piling out of the place right at the very end, does it pick back up? And only picks back up for a minute. I or like so. th- I like that. I like that because they're in the outside world, everything is nature and green, and they relax. Yeah. And they have swims. And they have campfires. <clears throat> They don't get chased because even Francis shows up briefly after they leave um, the ice cage, and then you don't see him at all anymore. There's no shot cut back to him, mm. no chasing to to bring up um, uh, attention up. or anything. Yeah. No, they don't. They just leave us. Relaxing. So you think? So you think it's a deliberate thing? It's a deliberate. I would hope directorial. So. I would hope so. Pacing thing. This is the outside world, and it's now pretty. It's mm. now beautiful. It's you know, buildings are derelict, but not. Not in a bad way, you know. Mm. There's green ivy plants growing nicely. The buildings are sort of there. Um, I like, I like that about films when you, you know, the, the far future still has these untouched centuries of the now age. Yeah, yeah. And you go into the future, and it's all still there, but it's all very dusty, mm. and nobody's touched it. But all that history is in there, and needs to be rediscovered. It makes sense from a narrative perspective too that uh, all of the hallways and and sewers and things like that are not huge. That's uh, not a huge leap from where what they're used to walking around in, albeit you know a little bit scary and apprehensive and whatever. But nothing could be as you know uh, wow factor. Oh, I need to stop and we need to step slowly and whatever. Than when you walk outside into a world that you've never seen before mm. with greenery and plants and rivers sun. and all that. So and sun. see the sun for the first time. Um, so that could explain it, like as a narrative thing, that the pace could. 
come off because it, they did. They slowed down and they weren't running anymore. They were yeah. they were walking. Mm-hmm. And and also the hand crystals they turned white and they just realized we've been reborn. We've we've we can chill. <laughs> we're out here. We just need to get everyone else into this. Mm. We're gonna go back to the city and save all these guys. So what did you make of old man? Which as apparently a, the old man is incor- is an incorrect. Uh, yes. As a as a as a as a plot point or, or as, a, as a as as the character on two levels, um, as a narrative Peter. device, uh, and as a performance. Look, Peter Ustinov is great in every single movie I've ever seen him in. I was I say that except for this one because he was really a, oh, he was a bumbling retard. That, <laughs> but he like, did it so well. And I didn't understand. He did it so well. I didn't understand what he was doing there. I could never, for the life of me, I couldn't understand what this guy was. And did, did he represent the last sole survivor, or is there more of him? Or like the the whole quoting? Um, I think he quoted some famous poet. T. S. Eliot. T. S. Eliot. T. S. Eliot. Cat, cat, cat book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all he's doing throughout the whole thing. And you know, oh, every cat's got three names and stuff. And and we got this. He didn't add anything. Do you know what I mean? I like uh, I like people I in my films to add something to the narrative. You got to tell me something. I Are you there? Even th- sometimes just the presence of a character can tell me something about the narrative that I need to know. What did he do? In fact, they imagine, had to drag him along, and then when they got yeah. him there, he couldn't go in. The, but imagine in the, the film. Imagine the outside world without him. So they go outside, and there is nature, not a soul. Mm. It would be a different outside world. Here you get this. Oh, there were people living here. There's gravestones. There's his parents. There are people that there are people on this world mm. that actually exist outside of these cities. We didn't know that. And he was old, I guess. They'd never seen old. <clears throat> yeah, that was so important. I guess that was important. I saw Abraham Lincoln for the first time. The, yeah. the, the statue with the beard and that, that the wrinkled face. And they, they, that that was the first encounter of what it was. Yeah. To be old, but no, I think Peter Ustinov's character is very important to show us that. The, that the whole of humanity is not in those cities. I'm sure that there's other people just because of the co- utter coincidence mm. of, of, you know, there, there must be more of cities like that around the world and, uh, you know, them running out and within a couple of days running into the only surviving human, that's that's unlikely. Has he ever played Caesar? Peter Houston? Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah some, I seem to remember him being a Caesar and yeah, a good yeah, Caesar. Ro- Roman senators or something. I think he might be Nero rather than Caesar. Such know, a right? good actor. <laughs> Such a good actor. Yeah. Um, he's I, also there to, for expository dialogue, he's there to explain the world of the outside to people as a rep, to the to the heroes as mm. a representative, you know, as a representative of it. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, you've convinced me. You've convinced well, me. And I, I do like the, the, the premise that the, we're talking about a society that has never seen anyone over the age of 30. And now they've seen this guy since at least six. And and his job was, as as that role, to be an old, sort of frail, quite... And, and of course he's confused and just talks in T.S. Eliot rhymes and surrounds himself with cat because he's nuts. I mean, he's lived all his life all by himself. And so he's, so he's essentially a child. He's not. Yeah, he's he a sixty-year-old child. He wants the toys. Remember, he he right. he wants them to give him some toys for. Cool. Toys for yeah, you could imagine the movie without him. Yep. Okay, we just cut. We just cut from the thing. Yeah. Need to save on budget, or something yeah. rather. Yeah. The heroes could still do the same task because they were doing some of I that. They were, well. they were fossicking around and I looking at things and saying, "What is this?" In for that and they were even looking at paintings and saying, "Oh, that person's got wrinkly skin. What's mm. up with that?" Yeah. You know. So. But I don't know, maybe, you know, having him there makes it a bit blatant and a bit obvious. Here's something that they're not really telling us in the story. Just on their journey back to the city, they spend the night in a camp, 
and they have a campfire going, and they're warming their hands around the campfire, and Peter Ustinov says, oh, that sort of, that thing, that thing's good on a night like this, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Does he say that because he knows fire? Has he shown them how to make fire? Did the, do these people in the city not know how to make fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did they show him? <laughs> I think they showed him. They must have. I would like to think that he showed them. Because he must have survived all mm. these years out there. His parents would have shown him how to make fire. I can believe that this mob doesn't know how to do it. Because fire is a button you press if you need it at all. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Some of those things would have been good to put in the movie just to see the old the old dude in his world mm. and how he's the master of that world and he knows where to get food and he knows how to survive and he's got it all worked out. And, yeah, mm. they could do and another. They have to learn from him later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, because they will have to learn from him later on when they finally, you know, exit their, you know, shopping mall paradise. Yeah, that wasn't very strong in the movie that he was actually there to teach them a few mm. survival tricks from the outside world. Yeah. I thought this film didn't fall victim to that. Whenever you play with time, you go into the extreme future or into the past and you take someone from this world and stick it in that world, stuff like uh, Back to the Future where there's these time-based jokes, you know, where there's these moments that are, you know, where some guy's scratching his head because he doesn't know how to work the microwave. We've all seen that, yeah? Yeah. And t- so often in film they do that. They mm. they have to cash in on the fact that the main character's not from this world so we can mm. get all this value out of the fact that he doesn't know how to open the lid, walk on an escalator and all this shit, yeah? Mm-hmm. They didn't really do that with this mm. at all, with the fact you've got two cultures there with the old boy from the old world and the new. We don't get to see the, you know, the fight because that, that's a perfect moment, you know, mm. where they're sort of, what is this thing? It's evil, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, no, cook your sausages on it. They, they left it alone. Mm. They didn't go near it at all. I think that's probably good. It's- well, I've, it, it wasn't needed for the story because it's <coughs> implicit that these people from this town are, I mean, they, it's, it's, it's all new environment. But how many days did they travel outside and what did they eat? Mm. It doesn't get get to get addressed. That it could have been nice to have that, where they suddenly realise they have to find food somehow. Mm. There were some slightly cheesy. It might moments. have slowed down the story a bit, like that when you know Peter Ustinov, you know, explains to them what becoming husbands and wives can mm. be, you know is all about, and yeah. they decide instantly. Oh, okay. Well, we'll that do that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why not? Put me down for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's he going to say? Oh, I forgot it. Lost my, lost my uh, train of thought. Um, so, narrative-wise, we we all agree it's a, it's a it's a strong story. It's a good story. Mm. Um, I still think you, you could do it tomorrow. You could go and shoot this film tomorrow with all of our new tech mm. um, and obviously the minimalistic sci-fi sort of styling that that is of the time mm. would come up to a more now now sort of uh, level but the story would survive I believe quite well in the modern age in the modern sensibility and the you know the the audience being a little bit more smart a little bit more intellectual um, so if we were to shoot this film tomorrow a remake of Logan's Run is, is oh, it's always talked about. it's always around the corner absolutely but if if you got the rights and you had the money who would play Logan who would play our main two characters? I've got one in mind for myself. Um, who do you think would would make a good Logan? Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about reinventing the script either. I'm talking about sort of literally sort of taking this, only modernising it slightly with the 
with the English being mm. used. I can um, tell you that by the time Logan's Run remake actually does get made, it's probably going to be. I can tell you who's playing the old man, <laughs> and that's going to be Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right, and it, it, even if they made it tomorrow, he would still make a good old man yeah. just with makeup. Um, I put forward um, staying with the British role, um, the oh, James Bond, the, the the new James Bond. What's his name? Yeah, that guy. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. I could see Daniel Craig in that role, in the in the main Logan role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my uh, that's I've put that forward. Who do you think would be his um, offsider? Um, the the other. I can only see him as being gritty. And ha- oh, oh or, Francis. Or, either Francis or Jessica. Any thoughts? We're trying to cast our. Our new film. See, if we come up with a good enough cast, they'll just give us the movie, right? So I've put four. We already there. know that the Academy is listening to our podcast. Absolutely. So Daniel right. Craig is 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 a potential, unless you guys have got a better idea for Logan. Um, there is a couple, maybe some younger guys that we could. I guess Daniel Craig's too old. He won't fit. Well, I think because yeah, that's that's true. You have to have has somebody to be, has to be twenty nine year old. Yeah, though I think oh, the, Michael oh, 20, York was a little bit older than six year old. He was thirty four when they made the yeah, movie. Yeah, so he was past and his. Most of them were. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. that they made it thirty because in the books it's twenty one. Mm. You die at 21. No, in the books, yes, you're right. In the books, it's twenty one. And well, so they would have cast Michael York already, and they would have thought, "Nah, can't pull off a twenty one yeah. year old." But he might. And I think they said that the one of the main reasons they made it thirty one is no one is going to come and watch a movie full of nineteen year olds. Well, I think that actually might be the way that the new one could end up as a movie full of 19-year-olds. Yeah. Because, mm. and that's this not crazy. It would be truer to the books. That's not crazy. This isn't something that I've identified. It's something that I, lots of people seem to identify is that this is the, the, the new Logan run, Logan's run, would be the replacement for like the Hunger Games. Yeah, I was thinking that. Or what's the new one? The or Maze, the Maze Runner. The, the Maze Runner, whatever Maze it is. Runner. What's a, Is it Maze Runner? <clears throat> all right. So we're all trapped in a horrible situation. Yeah. We're all teenagers. Half of us are going to get killed. All magazine heartthrobs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. one of those randoms is going to be, and I don't know the So you're saying the, the, the actor yeah. hasn't been born yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because couldn't, you couldn't put Daniel Radcliffe in a role like this. Um once he was like, if there's no heroic, he was old man. Like without magic, there's no, there's not a lot of heroics going on with um, Daniel Radcliffe. But uh, I, I say, think Dan's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you might be right as well. I think if you were to remake it today, you could go young, you know, and go to that under twenty. You have to grab somebody out of a boy band, you know. <laughs> Justin Bieber will yep. be the star, or something maybe an like. MMA fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be Francis. <laughs> He's wild-eyed, <laughs> following around. Logan. Go on, dance, dance, <laughs> dance. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, cool. Because, the, yeah, like you say, it's it's an ongoing discussion that just keeps coming up. It's mm-hmm. like every year someone talks about it, and then as soon as somebody in the cast dies, there's not a lot of the cast still left left alive. I got a feeling uh, she is still around. Yeah, she's still there. Yeah, I yeah. get that. Um, York. I'm sure York's kick, still kicking around. York is around still, is he? Um, Michael York. I have to look it up, but I, I would. All right. Well, while you have a look at that, let's let's take the time. She to... is still around because she's in all the Marvel movies. Let's have a look at this for a second. She's the um, every time Nick Fury talks to the the World Security Council. 
Oh, see, yeah, these strong. people in the in the sh- the sh- she, shadow people. She was in the World Security. She's Council. she's one of the World Security Council. She, yeah. she turns up, I'm sure, in loads and loads of TV shows that I can't think of any of them, but I know that yeah. you know she'll turn up in yeah. Taggart or something or other as <laughs> Mrs. Websley yeah. or something or other, and you know, loads her of IMDb those. profile is is. Chockers, yeah, um, yeah, and she was a sci-fi goddess. I reckon she could do the Comic Con circuits um, and just survive off off the <laughs> just off Logan's Run, yeah, probably just quietly because there's a whole population of um, <laughs> yep. snorting fifty-year-olds living in their mum's basement. That <laughs> she was my first true love. <laughs> yeah. So Michael York's still alive, currently seventy-four years old. So I think him and her are the only ones. I know his partner's not around. The 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 other mm. uh, the other I keep losing the name of these guys. What are they called again? The, the, Sandman. The, the, the Sandman. Sandman. Mm. Yeah. The other yeah. Sandman guy, he's he's gone. He's He died in 90-something, 90 96 or something right. like that. That's um, really about all the cast is, unfortunately. All right, let's have a look at the trailer. This is the original trailer. I love watching old school 70s trailers because it has inner world. <laughs> they all start like that. That's right. <laughs> this will give Just us imagine a synopsis. world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. A fantastic journey through a world beyond imagination. Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner! There's just one catch. The tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message. Your time is up. Michael York is Logan. Run, Logan! Policeman in a perfect world. No! Trained to track down runners. Run, Logan! Until he is forced to run himself. He's a runner! I'm your friend, I understand. We all go crazy once in a while. But she's a runner, and it's over. Box, an incredible Box. being. More than human, incredible. more than machine. Diabolical guardian more than of the gateway to freedom. Or Logan and the woman who loves him. Face like that. That must be the look of of being old. MGM they do work it out. They don't even need old man. Uh, in the first motion picture of the 23rd century, Logan's Run. 
It begins where imagination ends. That's not a good sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's so 70s and 80s, isn't it? That statement in a trailer. In a world the time in forgot. World. What? What? <laughs> Do you mean my watch forgot it? What? It begins it when imagination forgot? ends. That doesn't is, even is mean anything. Time a person? Is it a person called time? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what did you see in that trailer? <laughs> um, Shooting. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah. There's, I think there's something a little bit more. One thing I noticed that I didn't notice when I watched the film, the guy that, that he goes, runner. Yeah, the guy in the red. Yeah. He wasn't running. Like he was literally walking <laughs> through the crowd. He goes, runner. <laughs> and then he runs. So he wasn't a runner until you caught him a runner and He's started chasing him. Framed him. <laughs> and then pushed him off a ledge. You know what I saw in the trailer? Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Everything in the movie was in the trailer. You're right. I think every single special effects shot, that was just the special effects reel yeah. for the Academy Awards. They just should have shown <laughs> that. And it's like, yeah, this is our thing where we did the thing. Here's the thing. We had the other thing. Here's the rubber thing. Here's the laser thing. It was two and a, what was it, two and a half minutes or something? It's over two minutes trailer. And that's not only epic. that. Yeah. That's epic. Oh, they did trailers and ads different th- <laughs> yeah, in those you days. You might be right. It also had like- Kind of had the ending. It had the special effects shot where the where the um, the shopping mall blows up. Yeah, and everything's you know? down. Yep. Um, so they really, they really. In hindsight, in hindsight, everything you in have there. that. But in if you haven't seen the film yet and you see that trailer, you just get action. There's going to be action. There's going to be explosions and interesting. Let's go see it. In hindsight, you know, okay, the trailer showed me. Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah, yeah true. It's, right. it's all in a mixed up order and you don't get to like yeah. understand the order of things. But still. Pretty spectacular for the time though. I can imagine like around that time you're looking at sci-fi being Planet of the Apes and so, uh, was it Soylent Green? What's it called? Soylent, Soylent Green? Green? Yeah. Soylent Green. Um, and then you see something like that. Mm. And, um, you know, no wonder people went and seen the damn thing. I mean, it did quite well at the box office. Mm. Um, we, we had a look at, uh, have a look at what I found. Remember we couldn't find conversion? Oh, okay. I found somebody that has a nice little com- converter tool. Okay. So you put in the oh. amount here of um, takings. So it took $25 million at the box office in 1976. 76. Convert to 2015. I think this guy's stopped. Uh, Lee's movieinfo.net. Um, he, he's not updating it because this year doesn't go past 2015. Um, In a world where websites end. <laughs> it's uh, okay. 99 million. So 99 million. How much did it cost? Remember? Seven. It, seven? it was seven. So just what's seven? Can you, can, can you oh, get yeah, that I thing to do the math? Well, it seven is three, a third of that. Yeah. Well, 27 mil. Yeah. 27, so they... Tripled their it's, money. Yeah, tripled their money. And that's pretty good. I mean, for for the 70s to triple your money on a sci-fi budget, mm. that's outstanding. Like, what did they pay? What did they... Can you remember offhand what Star Wars cost to make no. at the time? It, that was seven. I think it was 11 million. Was Star Wars seven and... and I think was it was 11. something like that. It wasn't like Star Wars was like... Much more. But Star Wars certainly had the more out outlying costs. I don't know. We think. should check it. But from memory, I think it wasn't much more than Logan's Run. So essentially, it made equivalent uh, in today's um, standard ninety nine million. That's not a bad film. It's not a bad outing. Huh? Um, I mean, 
Well, it was know. not an unsuccessful film anyway in its time. You wouldn't consider no. it a flop. No, no, it was a good film. And relative to its spend, not bad at all. Uh, we were unable last time we had a chat about this. We couldn't. We couldn't work out what that twenty-five mm. was um, mm. because today's of, money. Well, that's a very handy tool there. Box Office Mojo doesn't have this conversion. It does convert, but only as a drop-down list. It doesn't allow you to stick in numbers. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, the so so for our audio listeners, what's that website called? Uh, it's very called handy. Lee's, all one word, Lee's Movie Info. Dot net. Um, we might even put a link to that in the. Uh, in the details for the video and on the website. So, um, an idyllic sci-fi future has one major drawback. Life must end at the age of 30. Directed by Michael Anderson, um, but more importantly, um, produced by... Sol David. Sol David, who also did, and uh, let's bring up some of Sol David's uh, <coughs> other films. Bear with me here. I had one and closed it down. So what's the most famous one? It's um, uh, Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. 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 David. Yeah. So a couple there. Um, Our Man Flint. Oh. Yeah, Our Man Flint. That was the one that I was a little bit shocked about as well. He had a, a lot of um, a lot of very successful films in the sixties, mm. in the late sixties, um, and then a bit of a jump to this to mid to late 70s for Logan's run. If you look at his filmography, uh, as a producer, it's not exactly a massive list of titles. Um, his hit ratio is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> as a producer, you would have to be pretty impressed with uh, with that. Looks like he was an actor in a couple of things. Um, he wrote, he, he has a writing credit on some of the TV series episodes, or at least the first episode of the TV series Logan's Run, which sort of indicates that he probably had something to do with getting that up and running. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the TV well, series the rights, yeah. for a second. Um, can you remember it? Did you ever see it? I, I never, never saw, saw it. it. I never saw, saw the TV series. I saw it before I saw the movie. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I would have been um, I would have been probably around 11, 12 or something like that when I remember seeing it, uh, which – and I remember it sort of – it had a darker tone to it. Like, Logan's Run does have a sort of dark tone to it, we but it's hidden in all of the sci-fi bling, and there's a lot of chrome yeah, and all this true. other stuff. Yeah. This didn't. It's sort of – I think they shot a lot of it and on backlots, um, backlots for Western movies and things like that. It was all tumbleweeds and shit, and they were driving around in this weird boxy-looking hovercraft thing that – and so the TV series is entirely outside. It's after they escape the city. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. I think the first episode is the is a remake of the film. Mm. Um, we saw the trailer um, of, for the for the TV series, and the trailer sells it like he meets her, and then they it seemed run. Very similar, didn't it, it? It was pretty much the mm. same the same story. So it looks like they they rebooted it for the TV series. Mm. I think it only did one season. And this was directly after the movie. Mm. So it's like the very next yeah, one year, year months, or something, something like or other. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They jump straight on it. Um, Try to get on Yeah, it. exactly. Jump, jump straight on it. Mm. But then, of course, I don't know, Star Wars came out and maybe that just killed off everybody's attention and they all just went zoop. I think it just raised oh, the bar. <laughs> straight over the head. Everybody everyone had to catch else, up. Yeah, yeah, everyone else had to catch up, yeah. you know, and, and – even like I've mentioned, um, Planet of the Apes, 
it was a wow factor, and then Star Wars came along, and then all of a sudden they they looked weird. Like it did, no one, you, there was no fad about it. We nah, we've seen that. Well, that looks stupid. Mm. And I think a lot of films, um, especially franchise sci-fi movies, where there's a repeating sort of character or or story arc, um, they <coughs> suffered from having such a, a bar raise. We t- were talking before about um, um, sort of the history of Batman and how Batman goes through lots of different modes and genres yeah. and there's a kind of a, a gritty there's, dark. There's dark camp. Yeah, right? and then it goes so camp, dark right? Dark camp, dark camp, dark camp. And we're, we're due for a camp one, <laughs> aren't we? We are due, unfortunately, for a <laughs> camp one. <laughs> but with um, Logan's Run and Star Wars, yeah. you've probably got that flip going on with yeah. Logan's Run being the kind of the campy kind of glitter. Yep. And then Star Wars comes in and it's like there's a friggin' skeleton that's been fried. I, well, there was nasty stuff, I suppose, in yeah. Logan's Run as well. But it was definitely more gritty and oh, more- it was grungy, more, you know, yeah. 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 It was a dirtier world. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we think of Farrah Fawcett? Um, oh. I I honestly believe they just shoved her in, of course, so did. that they could put her on the poster yes. and say that she's in the film. Yes. And I, because she has a tiny I will go to my role. grave thinking that that's exactly what they did with Peter Houston. I oh. honestly think they stuck him in the film. Was old man in the book? I don't know. I think they stuck I him think in he's the an film. Important part. I think old man is an important part. I of saw the, the old on the statue. Maybe they he's the wizard from the from the monomyth. They could have seen a photo right. of, of a couple hey, getting married. <laughs> but true. Sorry. They could have seen a photo of a couple getting married to, to learn about marriage. They could have seen um, um, images on walls. They, there's all sorts of ways that they could have learnt the same shit that they learnt from the old man. But, um, yeah, but getting back but to- it was a draw card. Getting back to Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to, to, At the to time, spin you off onto an old man danger. She, would she have been Farrah Fawcett Majors? Would she have been At the time? When did married she to Lee Majors? I don't know whether she was majors or minors. <laughs> she was married to the $6 million man. But you- uh, 1973 was when they married. So yes. four, they were already married She was years. Farrah Fawcett Majors at the time. Okay. Well, they um, they beat the shit out of her and killed her. <laughs> <laughs> the, director, the director had to do uh, intervene or something. He had to stop the shot because they were- they were taking it too seriously. I think they got carried away and started to actually hurt each other. Uh, well, anyway, she, I mean, they did have, you know, the fantastic beauty, Farrah Fawcett Majors, but they did also, you know, just totally kill her at the end. So yeah. um, I don't know. It's a bit of one of those, I think it's, you know, it's one of those sort of classic quick twists where you get the superstar to come in and then it's like suddenly you yank the superstar away again and it's like, well, Michael whoa, York didn't expect that. Was a pretty well-known actor already. He was... He was famous. In very, days. very famous. Russell Lee Brown, yeah. uh, Peter Ustinov, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Randall, no, oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know any of the others as as being. Russell Lee Brown. Not only was he the voice of Box, he was in Box. He was Box. He played it. Yeah. And therefore, it was his mouth that we saw in <laughs> yeah. in the tinfoil somehow. <laughs> the worst shot. I'll ask you. <laughs> I'll I'll pick that one. That's the worst shot for me for the film. <laughs> what was your worst shot for the film? Oh, I don't know if I've got a worst shot, but I've oh, got the, the the cheesiest worst line, okay. which is the run runner. <laughs> <laughs> when he's got this sort of manic, do what you do best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do what you do best. Run, runner. <laughs> I thought he was really intense. Uh, Richard Jordan, Francis, um, he yeah. was. 
There was all there was a whole lot of white oh, yeah. going on around sweat, his eyeballs. Sweat, <laughs> Look, I, I think that those two actors, John Foyt. those actors are out of their comfort zone because Michael York is playing Michael York, who's got to stick up his butt and is this sort of solid, slightly dapper, inflexible you know, nice guy. And then when they say, well, you've got to be a bit of a killer. And then he like flips out and decides, well, maybe that means I've got to be a maniac, you know? <laughs> so it was sort of, you know, he, this one goes up to 11, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. was his, his, his acting response to, to that role. Yeah. I think Francis had the same sort of, sort of deal. I thought he was great. Like when he they came across as unhinged. Oh yeah. 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 And I think that's what they were shooting but for. The well, maybe they thing were playing off is, each other. Again, bringing back the differences between the book and the, and the film. Yeah. In the book, Francis is actually working for the underground. He's helping people escape. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's a different character altogether. Wow. That but in this been... one, it's Jessica who's working for the underground That's helping right, people yeah. escape. She's the, uh, she's the inciting incident. She's the, well, she's the, she's the one that presents the, the um, challenge, the, the, the circumstance. The call gets to present, Yeah, the call to action mm. is, is through her. Mm. Um, what did we think of that little moment where he dials up a chick? Yeah, <laughs> in the chick machine. Yeah, and the and the guy turns up. Yeah, he actually right? goes to the homo channel and he's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> what did you think in that moment? Because it's a very it's the seventies. From my memory, this movie was made in the seventies. But from my memory, I don't think it was portrayed as a, as a mistake. No, was it's just it was a, like he was he was shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. he's like, no, not tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that probably. what you took from yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, cool. Not in the mood. Sure. Uh, but back to your question, what's the cheesiest shot? Very mm. close to a box is the destruction of the Ice Citadel. Because uh, yes. I... Lots of really shitty green screen. Shitty. <laughs> in front, after after composed debris falling yeah. across in the foreground. All haloed, all black halos. For a film that won yeah. special effects Oscar, that was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Absolutely. And you put box and that together and you've only got the city left. You've only got that miniature or the yeah. bigature. I guess we could call it, um, which was 60 feet across. It was massive. Um, one thing I read about the city exterior that they built, they changed the scale of the buildings the further away from camera that they got yeah, to yeah. make it look like it was much, much bigger than mm. it was. Mm. Um, but it was big. And the main reason it was so big is that they chose a mode of transport through those tubes that they wanted to be able to have a camera that had enough travel they wanted the cars to travel fast because that's future, right? And if it's traveling fast, in order to have a long shot, you have to have a long tube. Mm -hmm. So they have to build everything bigger. And so the only reason this thing had to be 70 feet in size was the fact that they needed, that they made a decision to have these cars running along these hamster, yeah. hamster tubes. Mm -hmm. um, they built two of those cars practical. Uh, but for the TV series, they, they built a brand new car with hover to make it look like it was hovering um so what did we think of um what did we think generally of the production the set designs the the productions we've spoken about the shopping center um look and feel <laughs> uh, would shopping centers look like that in the 70s Were, was it so brand new that it wasn't till the 80s that we started to see shopping centers mm. look like that mm. uh, i don't know if that uh, they must have just you know, decorated, you know, yeah. a, a regular shopping mall. Yeah. You know, it had the escalators. It's got brick kind of walls. Mirrors everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. They spent all the money that they didn't spend on costume design. And so they could put a little bit more into special effects <laughs> or, or, or scene, scenic design. I thought that was the most bland bit. That's where they put least the, the least amount of effort. What's that? Into the shopping mall shots. Mm. 
they just kind of look like a shopping mall and they put all their effort into ice caves and matte painting. mat paintings and the miniatures yeah. and stuff. But I don't know, yeah. I, 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 maybe if, you know, I was going to do it in the in uh, redo it, you know, I might um, play up on the fact that the only place they had to left to live was a shopping mall. You know, that's all they had. It's not like they, they purpose-built this thing to survive. It's yeah. just there happened to be a shopping mall. That Build was, the dome over the top of yeah, just put, that. Yeah, seal it in, <laughs> call it done. That building looks all right. <laughs> yeah. It's got shops. It's got a food court. You know, it's got toilets. You know, it'll work. It was... Uh, um it was very convenient that the dome was within walking distance of a city that had visual markers that allowed us to work out where the hell it was on yeah. the planet. Um, we've mentioned this before that there's there's only a handful of cities that you can guarantee one shot, one photo will mm. tell you where that city is. You've got Paris, London, New York, um, but New York less and less um, unless you see one or two telltale buildings. Um, definitely Washington. Um, but there's very few cities that have so many things that are recognisable. Um, yeah. that, and Washington is definitely one of them. So by putting it within walking distance of Washington was a pretty smart idea because then you could work out that, yes, okay, it's on Earth, um, it's set in the future, because none of those things are clear to you until you see those things, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was pretty pretty smart. Mm. And I'm with you, Tom. I, I love to see uh, oh, now portrayed in the future all overgrown um, mm. and sort of run down, but, you know, you can still make it all out, but it's all overgrown in, and nature has claimed it back. The, the time machine, when he, when, when mm. he goes in the future and sees the books in the, in the library and they're all just turned to ash, yeah. you know, they, 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 they fall brittle apart in his hands. Mm. It's one of my favourite scenes in that, in that film. Mm. The original... The old no, 1970s, whatever, yeah, the best t- time machine. The only good time one. machine. I mean, yeah, not the not the new remake with Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce, no, 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 the ones with the Morlocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is along the line of this type of movie as well. So, oh, here's the taglines. Um, so these are the taglines that would have been used in promotional um, uh, promotional material. So we've got uh, the only thing you can't have in this perfect world of total pleasure is your 30th birthday. Logan is 29. Well, well not. Logan's not 29. No. <laughs> Logan is 26. <laughs> okay, what else? Um, welcome. welcome to the 23rd century. So you can okay. tell that probably just sat at the bottom That's of a, a boring lame, poster. Lame yeah. tagline. Uh, welcome to the 23rd. It looks like someone's taken that and someone said, well, you need to beef that up a bit. So it says, welcome to the 23rd century, a perfect world of total pleasure. There's just one catch. Mm. So, dun, dun, dun. so that's that's your typical Hollywood uh, tagline, isn't it, on a poster? Where it's except for boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I like that one. That one works. Yeah. You know, I'd be curious to see what what the hell that catch is. Um, I don't mind this one. The oh, only no, thing you can't have in Logan's world is your thirtieth birthday, unless you run. I don't like the away, um, but uh, unless you run is a is a pretty. That's a Good dot 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 sort of to put on the end of a tagline. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So I'm pretty sure these when these are listed on IMDb, from what I can tell, these are official. These aren't yeah, these yeah. aren't contributed by the community. These are the sort of things that were associated through marketing, um, things like that. It's an interesting, cool thing to put up on the the um, up on the on their uh, website. I like it. 
This is the budget. So it was nine million estimated. Um, okay. I did see somewhere else that it was seven, but I think somewhere between nine and nine and seven would be pretty accurate. Um, it grossed twenty five US, mm-hmm. so it may have made a lot more. Um, it may have made a lot more beyond, like international, and because there's nothing on Box Office Mojo, uh, I can't find that information out. I don't know what the international box office was for it, but it may have made more than that ninety-five million in today's money, if you count the worldwide yeah. market. Yeah, for starters, it had a British actor in it, so there's very good chance that it did well in England and in Australia or any of the colony, um, any of the Commonwealth countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, filmed between June seventy five and September seventy five, which is pretty quick. It's yeah, <laughs> it's just a few months. Pretty filming, <clears throat> yeah, about 60, 60, 70 days or something like that is your average nowadays. So, I think that's it, generally it's not too bad. So IMDb here is giving it a six point eight. From people who care, 6.8 out of 10. That's always hard to, I don't know, um, quantify these things. There's a few people. There's quite a few people, so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair enough. 41, 41 and a half thousand. Um, and I think any time, any, I mean, the, here's the problem. With IMDb, we are now living in a world where so many young people are now finding their voice out in the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm in places like IMDb and things like that. And I honestly think that it's some of these films don't get, they don't get judged by the younger generation for what they actually are, which is, that's a period piece. You can't, you can't hold up a statue from ancient Rome and then hold up uh, a 3D printed model mm-hmm. or whatever and then think that they're comparable. Yeah, yeah. They're not. Mm-hmm. There's some things that are similar, but you have to understand that that was chiseled out of rock and mm-hmm. this thing was made out of, no effort whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's what happens with these ratings. I think if – I'd love to know that if I if I went back in my Wayback Machine to five or six years ago or even ten years ago and looked at that rating, whether it may have actually been higher, that, that a whole bunch of young people have come along and seen the movie. Because I can guarantee anybody under the age of 25, 30 – I'd say 25 – they're going to look at this film and go, what a pile of shit is that? I suspect that the only people that ever find it to rate it <laughs> are the people that watched it when they were a kid. Yeah, you might be yeah. right. Yeah. You might be right. I'll give you another stat. If yeah. you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, which we've sort of whinged and moaned about in the past, but just FYI, they're giving it 68 and 67 from their expert critics, 68, and their audience, 67. Um, which is pretty close. I haven't done my maths. Yes, it's a 6.8 on Logan's run with 40-odd thousand. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes is 40-odd thousand at 67. So whilst these scores are not particularly, I don't know, not particularly trustworthy and nobody knows who's judging what on what, you know, criteria, they're all consistent. Yeah. Everybody's giving it the same score. The letdown in the film is the ending. Where yeah. really they just, he gets caught by the computer. The computer interrogates him. He says, 
sac sac sanctuary doesn't exist, and the computer goes, what? Does not compute, does not does compute. Does not compute, and explodes, the entire city <laughs> caves in. What a lame way to finish the film. And that, that must account for a few percentage losses in those. That's in, in the, those it's in the realms of it was a dream, and, and I woke up at the end, you know, and the end we yeah, woke He doesn't up. even try to, it's not like Captain Kirk, who, who argues in computer interceptors, yeah, yeah. right? He just says, ring up no, I'm not saying anything, yeah. uh, but it doesn't exist, and the computer caves and says, well, that's, I don't, nah. Yeah. That's. That's, they kind of ridiculous. set themselves up for a bit of a bit of a um, unfortunate climactic ending because they spent half the movie running, yes, half the movie blathering with Peter Euston off, yes, and then coming into the home straight. All yes. they've got is two minutes left, yes. yeah, and we've got to wrap this up. <laughs> Quick, blow it if you got. Thanks a lot. They're coming. Yeah, just say no to the computer. <laughs> now, while we're talking about his interrogation scene, let's talk about the. Um, Let's talk about the laser, um, the use of state-of-the-art laser technology. Holograms. Holographics. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. A, a, a real-time projection of, of holograms. Was it real-time? Well, it was, was laser. I think they used lasers to project the holographic that you're seeing, mm. um, and it's real-time. Like, it's it's – it's a real thing. It's, it's a, a real hologram. Yeah, you can yeah. look around it's, and you can see him. Yeah. It's not optical. They this is why- They didn't superimpose it over the top no. or anything. He was, it was in that tube thing yes. that was next to him. This is why I suspect it kind of got best um, special effects is because it had these type of things in it. Yep. You know, um, not just the matte paintings, not just the- um, that incredible crane thing that they developed for the carousel, but it also had these holograms and stuff going on in it. So, I don't know. There's a whole ensemble of stuff in there that I think might have impressed people. Um, yeah. That Interestingly, they that year, the visual effects uh, Oscars went to two films. Two films shared the visual Did effects they? in 1967. King Kong. Oh, was it? Yeah. So, that would have been they the- both got Was that the Jeff Bridges King Kong? Na Faye Dunaway? No. 1907? Really? Uh, I think that was the 80s. I think there was an yeah. 80s King Kong there was, as well. There, there, there's every, every, every decade there's a King Kong. <laughs> it's like Batman. Jeff before. Bridges. No, you're right. Jeff Bridges, 1976. And was it Faye Dunaway? Uh, no, it was Jessica Lange. Ah, Jessica Lange. Where they had the big, large monkey and, paw and she yeah. spent most of the movie in this giant monkey paw set piece. Um, I thought I had an image of those lasers, but I, I didn't. Um, one thing I read was that... Um, Oh, they maybe they did dress the thing up. If you go back a couple, sorry to, yeah, maybe that space stuff on the side there in the mirrors. I don't know. Or maybe they just found a shopping mall that was the futurist shopping mall in the world and just decided to host it there. Sorry, go on. There's there's mirrors and then there's this cheap bling. This looks like that reflective plastic stuff that they and all those designs that they've hung on the walls. But anyway, yep. So yeah, um, the. The producer and or director, one of the two, wanted to incorporate um, real groundbreaking tech into the film so that – and I, they're not silly. Mm. Um, they do this so that when they talk, doing press junkets and any uh, critics and they, they you receive more critical acclaim if there's some kind of real-world science that's been used and brought to it and – Stuff like, and we still do it today. Like we we started the show talking about Unreal being used in whatever, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, because it's a talking point. So it's an old Hollywood trick, and they did it in this film in a couple of things. I think the car, um, there was something unique about the car that they made as well. I don't know whether it was molded, it was some sort of molded plastic 
glass, the dome. There was something about it, but definitely those lasers were the big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and they used the lasers in when he's lying on the bed as well. Um, obviously, well, they, they weren't cutting him, but they used real lasers, not superimposed oh. lasers. Oh, so they weren't added in post? No. Oh, all right. Yeah. They weren't strong enough to burn anybody, but um, yeah, they were. They were real, real lasers actually being used on that bed. Um, they also had the computer screen where the computer would talk and it wasn't like graphics would be up on the screen, but text would appear. And whilst that probably isn't too impressive now or perhaps even then, but it still it was 1976. It's punch card time. Yeah, there's not too – that would have looked fairly impressive just mm. to see brrr, text appearing as the computer's talking. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. And there was some graphic you – know, vector-style graphics on the screens from my memory. There was some – remember they walk in, there's a bunch of guys sitting at – at uh, terminals, mm. I'm sure there were some graphics, some um, vector style graphics up on those as well. Mm. Um, so that where does that leave us, gentlemen? Let's uh, let's bring this thing home. You you did want to talk about the the crane that lifts the people. Ah yes, the rig. I've got an image actually of um, of the designs. For that, the carousel. Um, so this, uh, if you can't see this, there's there's sort of like a flower sculpture, large thirty foot, forty foot flower sculpture in the middle, and standing around it is the um, the people lining up to uh, to be reborn, uh, renewed, renewed in their special red and white outfits and masks. Well. What they did is they built a rig that was a turning rig for wire work, and I think even still today, it's the um, it's the most amount of people suspended by wires in a film. Simultaneously, so it was thirty like. people. You were thirty people or something actually suspended at the one time, and all of them had independent controls for going up at different rates and everything. And, and they were was, rotating, and it was turning as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's a crane with kind of like a, an umbrella thing hanging underneath it. Yes. And then from each of the, like, prongs on the outside of it is another person hanging from that. Yes, and they each person has their own set of cables that have independent up and down. So the umbrella rotates and the cables also go up and down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is pretty, I don't know, maybe that's where they got carousel from. That seems like a... Bloody carousel to me. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So is. I don't know. Maybe they come up with the idea of, you know, we've got this old crane out the back of the lot, and it could probably hold about fifteen people. <laughs> no problem. What can we do with that? Well, I know what we can do for starters. <laughs> Let's change the script. <laughs> yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> we'll call it crane, and then, you know, it's like, okay, no, we'll no, work on no. that. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work. <laughs> Shut up, Terry. We'll work on that. Just get the, just bring the crane in. Um, I thought it was the editing. They had to edit the, the demise because um, – oh, and the one thing I read is that the people actually had these explosive squibs <laughs> okay, actually on, on their person <laughs> and they were detonated. Um, <laughs> but you had to cut the um, – they had to cut the film, like the editor had to cut right there because – They weren't going anywhere. They weren't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they yeah. weren't dying or anything like that. Um, and so every time someone exploded, there was a cut right there. And it's got it's got loads of crossfades all in it as well. To, because if you just filmed it straight, it'd be to like 
well, there's a bunch of people hanging from ropes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So you had to kind of get the camera in its dreamy angle and then you had to cross-fade it again with another version of it from another angle over the top so it all looks like, yeah, I think it's supposed to look like spaced and drugged out, but I suspect it's like, let's try and hide the crane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's give it uh, let's give it a score and let's, let's do our scoring system standard out of five. Five. Um, what were the two we, – we picked two genres uh, when we were talking about scores recently. We decided that one was we were going to give it a score for technical and a score for creative. Mm. And creative is performance, writing, narrative, mm. right? So anything in relation to the storytelling mechanism of, of the filmmaking process mm. and then – what you're left with is technical. So technical is um, set design, um, stunt work, you name it. Anything that's not narrative mm. is cre- – and so they're the two scores. Mm-hmm. Um, who wants to kick that off? Tom, what would you give the film cre- for its creative? So we're talking so narrative. So I'm outspokenly a big fan of the film. Mm-hmm. I love I love the film. So I can't give it any more than above average. You can have half. Yeah, no, I'd give it a, a four out of five then. Yep. Three, three and a half to four. Yep, cool. Uh, it loses points because of the horrible ending. Yep. Uh, and then technically, maybe two. There was not. It's difficult. Four, yeah, it's difficult to see from from these days, from 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 modern. It has to be in the context of that time. You see, that's yeah. what you're saying before. You can't compare apples today it and got, oranges. It won the bloody visual so effects I, I hold it up. So maybe it deserves. So I would say, well, but I yeah. hold it up against. Um, um, Say Superman, which was a similar time. Well, Star Wars was a year later. Star Wars was a year later. We got Planet of the Apes, Solent Green. I I group it into that sort of decade in there. And if that's where you would put it, uh, what, what would you give that? I'd give it. A, I'd give it a three. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Story and stuff. I've got this quote that I want to read that I think is a really eloquent quote, cool. uh, and I'll read read that in a sec. Story and stuff. I think um, about a three. Mm-hmm. Um, um, groundbreaking, p- perhaps in some senses, nostalgia in some senses, I think is one of the, um, and it's the first perhaps to do these kind of dystopian world a la Hunger Games and loads of things follow on after it. So I think that's, um, that's fairly fair. Um, and for the special effects, yeah, I, I'd rate it higher, three plus four. Um, but well, maybe I just better backward step that a little bit because I suppose my complaint with it all is that it seems to be a bit of a hodgepodge of cool stuff. They got some lasers, they got a hologram, we found this crane, you know, yeah. got some miniatures, yep. got some green screen. We'll just, so so it, it's a little bit a little bit mixed, but I'd, I'd score it fairly highly. Let me just split the difference and say three and a half. Yep. So three and three and a half. Yeah. Three for three for. I like the term, and I think we should probably stick with that story and stuff. Mm. So story and stuff, <laughs> three, <laughs> and and technical and stuff, um, three and a half for Dan. I I give it as a technical um, achievement for its time. I also give it about a three and a half. Mm. Uh, but for story, um, for the the, I think if I was to way up if I, if you were to ask me the same question about the book which is probably the actual story mm. the real story um i would give it a higher score i honestly believe that this film is the product of a producer and not so much a director i think there's a guy with a big checkbook mm. that bought the rights to a film and then 
I think at one point he tried to sell the rights to this film to somebody else to make the film. That person didn't get off their ass and do anything, so the rights lapsed coming back to the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Saul David. And then he thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it myself then. No, that's all conjecture. Uh, well, no, no, I th- that's real. Oh, like, that is real. Like he did sell oh, yeah. it. He sold the rights. He secured the rights. He <clears> sold it. And then the person he sold it to didn't do anything with it. So he managed to get it back. And that's when he decided to do something himself. But the rest of what I'm about to say is probably is absolutely conjecture. Um, I think it's the, the way producers work is very different to the way directors work. All producers think they're a director and always want to be a director, but they have they have a connection with money and money people, and mm. they need you know, securing finance and then the mechanism and all this sort of shit, right? Um, so I think this film is a product of somebody that had a really good story that they owned, but then their producer hat really got in the way of it, and that's why we have so many. Weird things that didn't. Farrah Fawcett, Majors, and Laser Beams. Farrah Fawcett. There was the Houstonoff character that really. I mean, yes, uh, if you take me back to the 70s and the film, Houstonoff wouldn't have stuck out at all. It would have been part of the film and it would have made perfect sense to me. But when I watch it now, Mm. I look at it and I say, You've been shoved in that story. Like you're not doing anything at all in this story. You're not. You're not helping the characters. You're not really. You know, there's nothing that they couldn't have learnt by watching, seeing a few photos, whatever. And I honestly think it's a marketing exercise. I think a lot of the things that I have a problem with in the film is a marketing exercise. So I'm actually going to give it a much, much lower score than I would maybe have given it 20 years ago. So I'm only going to give it two mm-hmm. for creative and stuff, mm-hmm. for story and stuff. Story and stuff, yeah. But I think technically, in the time, very good. It's close to a four for me, right, technically, because the miniatures were, were outstanding, you know, for the time. They were, they were really quite good. Um, all of the textures that were going on, the world that they built, uh, their world building was very good. The map painting stuff was outstanding. Um, so technically, I give it a much higher score. Mm-hmm. So I'm on record. Like, I, I it disappointed me in... Um, I think it just got Hollywoodized. Mm. That's why I said to you, uh, I, f- I felt like it was two films to me. It almost felt like somebody pulled him aside and said, what are you doing, dude? And and you get this different energy, two different energies in the film. Mm. For me, it felt like the first half of the movie was an American film and the second half of the movie was a British sci-fi film. Mm. And there was just a different feel to it, the way things were. Hey, can I contribute a segment to the show yes. when I'm on and when we're doing... Uh old films and because I'm German I would like to contribute the segment Tom divulges the German title of the film ah, that'd be awesome <laughs> I love it because we dub them right we don't see them in English with subtitles ah. we get them translated and so the titles get translated and the title for Logan's Run in the German version is Escape into the 23rd Century <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with it. Not at Logan's all. run is very Why? succinct. He's already in Why? the 20th. <laughs> Escape into the 20th. And they do that all the time. Yeah, they right. give them the weirdest names. Why on earth can't the German translators manage to translate run. the word Logan and the word run? Well, Logan's a name. <laughs> Work for Lola. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth can't they do that? I love it. Or do they just think, oh, it'd be much more awesome if we... Give it a bit of polish when we bring it over to German. <laughs> well, gentlemen, that has been Logan's run. 
Um, we've discussed a couple of movies that we're going to have a look at uh, coming up. We won't let the cat of the bag, but we've got a nice little list of some good classic stuff um, and a couple of uh, – one one that I think we can let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We're going to sit down and watch the 3D version of The Martian, mm. um, the, which is a fairly recent film, um, which didn't really get – as much acclaim as it probably could have. The 3D version? Well, no, the film itself. The film didn't? Oh. No, it's from memory. It's big hype. Yeah, from memory, I don't think it... In the award circuit and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but there's a lot to talk about uh, uh, surrounding that film as well that's quite fascinating as, as far as how it came about and that sort of stuff. So that'll be on our, uh, on our horizon, on our near horizon, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, any... Uh, any parting words in relation to our um, cult? It, it does qualify as a cult film now, doesn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. I just realised when we look at the concept, uh, the costumes there, that um, I hadn't, we hadn't actually discussed the, the, the colour choices, right? So when they, then they, then they um, I think there's four colours, right? Yep. There's, there's, there's white, there's yellow, there's green, and there's red. And so if you're 30 years old, you divide that by, by the four colours. Now in the book, they're 20... They die when they're 21. There's three colors, and each color is associated with your hand pound for seven years. That's right. After seven years, the color changes. Uh, so here they got four colors. Divide 30 by four, and you get. Twenty. I don't know. Eight. Nah, uh, the math doesn't work. No. Oh, hang on. What is it? It's 30 by four. No, no, it doesn't work. No, no. You get seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Seven and a half. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So seven and a half years. So if from th- if if the last seven, oh, I guess it works. I guess it works. Yeah. So seven till third. So 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 twenty three till thirty. Well, what, what I was getting at is that all the people that are wearing green are between sixteen and twenty three years old. And isn't there? And uh, oh yeah, yeah. So all the kids they're yellow. Yeah. So they must be between sixteen and seven years old. Mm. And the infants there's zero to seven years old are white. I'm sort of questioning the the, the age of consent yeah, in, yeah. in 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 that series because all the grown ups that are intermingling they're all green and red. Yeah, yeah. And the the tones of green are something to do. I don't with know if well. they. I thought maybe so. that's just some some variety. Yeah, I thought the the, the lighter the tone, the earlier you, you are, and then the so every birthday you get a slightly darker shade, slightly darker. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. See, she's got a different. So anyway. you can only have intercourse Look, with, a ripe, the with a ripe, green woman. And he's wearing purple. That, that guy over there was wearing. Yeah, I thought purple. that was. They have to have a little bit of m- m- choice Variation. in term in terms of. Uh, well, she's not. She's not even green. Look at that. No, nice. he's wearing something grey there. Yeah, and if you watch her throughout, as did the doctor, by the way. Yeah, the doctor yeah, he has, has special, has a unique, oh, yeah. u- unique uh, costume. And so does the cleanup crew. And the the Sandman. So maybe there's special people. There's like the civvies, and then yeah. there's the other. Mm. The cleanup yeah, crew the have the opposite of they're the they're the inverted version of the Sandman. They're grey with black. Ah, and the Sandman the opposite. In the in the remake, we wanted to see the uh, the cleanup the cleanup crews. Uh, the world from the cleanup crews, you know, and just follow them around. Every day, mopping up corpses. <laughs> yeah. Only, but after they turn it to goo, like uh, yeah, bubbling yeah. mince piles, acid. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. All right. All right, gentlemen, let's roll this thing out and uh, let's call that our review of Logan's Run. Let's finish with uh, a product shot. Here we go. Um, I sincerely hope that they remake the film too. Let's put that on record. That that um, and we know, as we've said, that the Academy and um, and the Hollywood Foreign Press and all the important people in Hollywood are listening to the show right now. 
half expected to see, we probably should see the next couple of years. There's another Oscar in it for him. Mm-hmm. Before Johnny Depp dies. Mm. <laughs> Before he becomes an old man. Um, it, he, he will never die. He's pickled. Like he's, <laughs> he is like Keith Richards nowadays, I think. He's enough alcohol in his stream. Um, so that's it for another week. Uh, Tom, anything exciting coming up on your horizon at the moment? I'm um, looking forward to a, bit, a few days of filming. I did some filming uh, last week with uh, with a local uh, live action role playing group. Mm-hmm. This is with the red. With our with our film camera at work, doing some. Is it red dragon most, or red epic? Well, it's a red epic drag with a dragon sensor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, nice getting toys. some use out of the thing is, a, is is always great fun. Absolutely, and included in that filming will be a little bit of droneage, mm-hmm. uh, taking some drone shots. Today we had a not pi- with the red on it. Not with the red, <laughs> no, no, because uh, the drone would be about the size of my car. Pick that red brick up. Um, weighs a ton. I tried to do some handheld stuff with the red once, and I got what four minutes into it, my arms were just on fire <laughs> on one of these steering wheel rigs. Um, what was I going to say? The oh, we had epiphany moment today when we realised that the we we lack dolly track and crane equipment mainly because we're a sort of a post production house. Really, like when we teach our students, we're not teaching them to set up cameras and lights and bring in actors and stuff like that. We're we're really about the post production side of it, except for the animation, which is more of the production, but. Likewise, there's no dolly track and grain involved. So we don't really have that in our arsenal. And it's always a problem to provide footage that has some nice motion in it so mm-hmm. we can do some tracking and things like that. Today we had an epiphany moment because we've got somebody that has a drone, uh, a DJI, that has a, a fantastic motorized gimbal system in it that allows you to move the thing around and it corrects in real time. So we realized we, we are the dolly track. And we can just walk sideways and this thing is, there's not going to be any jumps and bumps or anything. We can be the crane. We just lift it up. We don't even have to turn the rotors on. We can just literally walk around with this uh, DJI and we get this steady cam, this beautiful uh, gyroscopically driven steady cam. So we're going to test that uh, on our shoot and hopefully that's going to give us some really nice shots. It's an excellent idea. We might even bring in the tech and see how we might bring it onto the show and see what we came up with so that the world can go and buy DJIs instead of Dolly Track. Mm, I want one. It'd be nice. Uh, Dan, anything for you coming up? Exciting? Oh, just waiting for the results of what you guys are going to produce over the next awesome. few days. You're going to try to get some time off, come with us, maybe on Tuesday. Mm, see what I can do. I think you should. I'm going to pry you out of that bloody office, <laughs> running too many empires, participating in the ivory tower. Destroying too many empires. <laughs> well, that's it for another week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our review of Logan's Run. We'll be back next week on uh, Tuesday night, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, but definitely we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. And until then, um, from Tom McGill, Dan Miller, myself, Dave Scotland, bye for now. See, See you guys. Thank you.